So Andy, let's talk about slow versus fast pounds. Okay, I'm interested to see what you've got to say on this. Yeah, caught you on the spot a little yeah. bit there. But so there was a video that I watched recently. I don't know if anyone knows who James Sinclair is, but um, entrepreneurial guy, uh, the party guy he's known as. And he's very hot on property investing and growing businesses. He does a lot of content marketing. And recently he does, he, he does something with American Express. So American right. Express, the Amex guys, they do a lot of stuff around um, promoting business and entrepreneurial flair. And he does some some really cool videos. And there's a video I watched recently and he was talking about slow pounds versus fast pounds. I thought it was relevant to chat for it on the podcast and I'll give you an explanation of what it is. So your fast pounds for anyone that's listening or watching is effectively your salary or your dividends if you're a business owner, but effectively let's just call it a salary for ease. And they come in fast and typically we spend them fast and they pay for the bills and then you've got a bit of money left over at the mm. end of the month and, and you may save it. And that's kind of your fast pounds. So if we were looking at that from a property in, or from an investing point of view rather than a property investing point of view, then you might have fast investments, which you know could be quick turnaround investments where you spot an opportunity to put some money into, I don't know, a, a business that's going to new start and you get yeah. some some high interest rate on it and then you get it back in three months later when they, when they pay you back. You know, you would call that a fast investment. But for the premise of this, fast pounds are your salary. Slow pounds is how you build your wealth. And in the diagram that James talks about, he has where you are today, where you want to get to, how you do that, which in reality is, is lead generation as a business owner, mm. it's the marketing element of it, and then your investments and the slow pounds of the investments. And I think if you talk to anyone that's very wealthy or classified as I'm financially free, normally what they would say is I've got a lot of property that allows me to do that. You don't often hear someone say I'm financially free because I've been investing in the stock market for the last 20 years. It's, mm. not, it's not a very common thing, no, is it? It's no. more, I'm financially free because I've got 11 properties or I've got 15 properties or I started buying properties when I was 20 or whatever it may be. Mm. So we call that slow pound investing. So something for people to think about today is your fast pounds. Are your fast pounds coming in fast and going out fast? And how much of it are you allocating into your slow pounds, mm. your wealth and your your growth and your assets? And there's been a lot of different podcasters jumping on things like the Diary of a CEO at the moment, talking about uh, finances and talking about being structurally correct. And I think there's even on Netflix, there's a particular chap over in America that comes in and tries to sort of help people from a finance point of view. And most of them are saying you should really be in a position where you're investing 10, 15, ideally 20 percent of your fast pounds into slow pounds. Mm. For, for the principle of this analogy. So let's say someone earns 80 grand a year. They take home 50K, mm. 55K of that. Then in reality, are they investing 11 to 18,000 pounds a year into slow pounds, into investing? You know, and for the people watching and listening, are they doing it? Probably if we were honest with ourselves, we would say I, we're I'll, not. <laughs> I'd probably say a high percentage of people aren't doing that no um because you know a lot of people think about the fast pounds don't they so yeah. you know if i've got a spare thousand pounds how can i turn that into three thousand pounds in a couple of months yeah right go in with the startup businesses or you know people 
even with cryptocurrency, thinking that they can get a quick win from from that. So quick investments, I think a high majority of people would think that way rather than, right, how can I take this £8,000 over a year and put it into something that I can put it in something for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Because I find the flip to it is if someone is saving, you know, if they're using their fast pounds and let's say someone's managing to save £500 a month out Mm. of their fast pounds, typically what they do is they put it into an accessible savings account. Yeah. And then in six months time, they go, right, I've got enough money to pay for my holiday. And then they buy a holiday. Yeah. Rather than actually ignoring it and putting £500 into a high interest savings account even Mm. that... I've just done it recently with Monzo, our bank with HSBC. And from doing a lot of research into this kind of slow versus fast pounds, I thought, right, now I do need to start putting some cash into another area. So I've actively opened up a bank account with Monzo that I don't have a current account for. Well, I do, but it's a non-valid current account just to get the savings account. Mm. And then the interest rate on it is like 4.65%. So the standard order is the standing order is set up from a HSBC account into that plus a lump sum at the beginning. So it's not on my radar when I go into my normal current bankings, I don't even know it's there really. I've almost forgotten about it. And that's my slow pound investment that maybe I'll use to buy property with at some point, but the moment it's almost compounding to a deposit level, I would say. And I think, that's something that people should really think about in terms of how they structure up their their wealth for the future. So slow pound investing, fast pounds, something to to really think about on this. And like I say, it's, it's something that James Sinclair talks about a lot. I think very good, shrewd businessman. He's, he's kind of in, in, bought himself into certain types of businesses, but owns a lot of commercial property and very wealthy guy. And And, and I think it's quite interesting for people on this. Now, on the slow pounds, we obviously talk a lot about investments on on this particular podcast and particularly property. One thing that I was listening to uh, the other day that I thought was really clear and a good way to differentiate the asset class of property investing versus stocks, crypto, mm. you know, Forex, whatever you want to um, throw the other asset classes into. And they described it like this. When you put your money into the stock market, say, unless you're kind of Warren Buffett that's got so much money in certain stocks that the dividends he receives on those certain stocks that pay dividends out on their profits is of a substantial amount, really it's nothing. You know, mm. if you've got tens, tens of thousands of pounds in the stock market that pays on dividends, it's not enough for you to cash flow your lifestyle no. for, for a month or a year. Absolutely not. So when you put money into the stock market, it's tied up. That's the difference, isn't it? It's it's wrapped up in that with a view that in 10, 15, 20 years time, you can pull it out and it's made more money than what you pay. Yeah, it's a long-term investment, isn't it? It's a long-term goal. Long-term tied up money, I would say. Whereas the big difference with property that people don't often think about is there's two income streams. There's two different revenue makers with property, Mm. which there isn't really in a lot of the other asset classes. And let's say, for example, you invest in a HMO. With that HMO, let's say you bought the property at £300,000 in a certain area. You spend 50 grand on it on stamp duty tax and kitting it out to be a really fluid HMO for five bedrooms, for example. Well, with that HMO, 
you'd like to think that what you've done in your investment has made it worth something. And then in 10 years time, the property market naturally means it's going to be worth a lot more. So let's say you make 100 grand in equity over 10 years, 10 grand a year in equity. But what you've also got is you've got fast pounds, you've got rental income as well. And that as a property as an asset class, you don't actually have in a lot of the other areas, mm. you don't have the, the monthly return. So, you know, if you look at the HMO and say the mortgage is £1,500 a month and you've got £2,500 a month's worth of rental income coming in, gross profit, you've mm. got £1,000 a month there. Yeah. You know, net profit might be more like 700 650 but every single month you're making £650 profit. Plus, every year your slow pounds, it's growing on average 10 grand. And it's not often explained like that, I don't think, to, to people that are thinking of getting into property investment. No, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, obviously, you've got your investors out there that have been doing it for a long time or that have looked into it properly, that are surrounded by people that do this for a living. So they would understand exactly what you've just said. But you've got investors out there that probably want to get into property investing because it's a good investment. Yeah. You know, you've got the appreciation on the property. You've got the other income, i.e. renting the property out. It's just that people get scared off by doing it because they don't fully understand what you can do and how you do it. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they might hear stories about investors doing it and they might hear the negative stories, i.e. it costs X amount to run or you need to do this regulation wise, et cetera, et cetera. So they're just like, Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not too sure about that. When yeah. actually, when you speak to the correct people, it's not that hard to do. No. And investment-wise, it's such a good investment. Yeah. Because you are gonna you are gonna get more property, uh, more property, more money from that investment ten years down the line. If you don't, then something's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> and I think you have to you have to put it in your slow pound pot and say, right, what's what's the best slow pounds? Mm. Because if you if you want to spend 10 grand on something and try and double it, that's not going to happen in slow pound investing. No. Slow pound investing is for the long term game. It's to build your wealth and it's something to retire on or something so that you can retire early. I would say if someone lives their life on 100 grand a year salary for most of their career, fast pound only spending, you know, spend what they've got. They don't invest in slow pound investing. They will have a nice life but they will not be able to retire mm. early. They'll have to work until they're 70 years old, 75 years old, without anything other than the pension they've been paying into to fall back on. Whereas if someone was earning 70 grand a year in dividends or salary, and they were slow pound investing 10, 15, 20% of their salary over that window, there's a very good chance they're retiring at 50, 55. Mm. So they're almost buying back 20 years of their life to do as they see fit while they're young, free and able because they were shrewd with their investing that they did and because of the way they spent their money or yeah. invested their money wisely. And you would look at it and say, well, who's lived the better life? Well, I don't know the answer to that. It yeah. depends how you've lived it. But if you look at A versus B, I would say if you're 20 years old, most people would say, yeah, I would love to be able to you know, be in a position where I can retire at 55 knowing I am set. I'm okay. Mm. I've, I've been shrewd in how I've done it. I've lived a nice life, you know, good money. Yeah. And 
I've lived well and I've enjoyed myself. I just haven't been flamboyant with with, with my fast mm. pounds. I've been shrewd with my slow pound investing. Yeah. And I think for for property, where where we look at this and maybe people say, well, it's you kind of talk about the insecurities of investing in mm. property and the legalities and wow, I'm buying a property at 300, 350,000 pounds. It's a lot of money. You're, it's not your money. Yeah. You're putting 75, 80 grand into it. So an 80 grand investment in the stock market versus a 300,000 pound purchase in the property world is about the same because mm. your deposit is going to be around the 75 grand yeah. mark anyway. So it's a 75 grand investment versus a 75 grand investment. It's easier to invest in the stock market because effectively it's a click of a button, isn't it? Yeah. And it's harder to invest in the property market from a time point of view because you have to wait for the legalities. You have to find the right thing. But what people that are a bit insecure about it or a bit more cautious around it should remember, take that to the other end of it. When there's a problem, when there's COVID, when there's yeah. a Ukraine war, when there's a market crash, the same applies. Click to exit. Everyone pulls out of the stock market. Yeah. If you're the last to do it, you're screwed. You just yeah. lost all of your, your investment. Whereas with property, it's harder to pull out. It's a bigger decision to pull out. And it takes longer to sell a property. Mm. Therefore, the market doesn't change as aggressively as the stock market and the cryptos and all the other no. kind of uh, sort of investment classes. So if you're insecure about investing in property from the, the go in, think about the go out. Yeah. Because it's the most secure. It's the most stable on the go out, which for me is a better way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the stock stock market is that look, we've seen it before. Companies suddenly folding, you know, your money's been put into them. You're getting nothing from that. All your shares are gone. You're, get, you're losing a lot of money. I think the reason why people do the stock market is because majority of people think that, right, if, uh, if I invest in a small business on the stock market, potentially they might find some miracle pill or, you know, mm -hmm. something which everyone wants. They're the only company to have found it, you know, and and obviously with that, you'll see massive returns because it's a it's an in-demand product or or company. Um, you know, we saw it with with Tesla, didn't we, when they first came on to, to the scene, yeah. then suddenly everyone was talking about the electric cars and Tesla shares have gone through the roof. Yeah because of that electric car element. Yeah. Um, we saw it with, you know, COVID when Pfizer came up with a with a jab and then suddenly their shares have, have increased. So probably people look at that and think, right, if I can just find that that one, I'll keep going with it and potentially I might get massive returns. But so difficult. It, it, it might not happen yeah. and you might lose everything. So what I would rather do is take my money, put it into something where I know I've got a low risk with it yeah. because in the 10 year term at the end of the 10 years, I would have made money on that. Yeah. And my, and my mind is at rest because I can, and I've got no stress. You're in control more of your yeah. investment there as well, because you know, if, if something breaks, you can fix it. You can drive past and mm. see it. You can communicate with the person that's given you the, the liquid, returns which is the monthly rent you yeah. can talk to the tenant you can see what's going on in equity growth you know you can get a, a realistic valuation done yeah. every 24 months to find out how much money your spreadsheet is looking like now mm. whereas you take tesla as an example 
Tesla is very much driven by, or the stock market is very much driven by PR and media reporting. And it only takes Elon Musk to go on the <laughs> Joe Rogan podcast and spark up a spliff yeah. Yeah. and all of their stocks and shares crash. And then he gets stripped off at that particular yeah. moment, which is real life that happens. Mm. Or you take Coca-Cola as an example. And do you remember when uh, a year or so ago, I think it might've been the World Cup, but uh, the reporter or the person organizing the um, the interview after a Portugal game sat with Ronaldo, yeah. put the two Coke bottles in front of him. And he was like, no. Nah. And he put the Coke bottles underneath and put water in front of him. The stock market for Coca-Cola within the next 30 minutes went, yeah. you know, and that that shows that you're a little bit out of control when you're putting that money into the stock market. But whereas with property, the slow pounds are the the easy pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And with and with property, not one single person could potentially influence that whole market. Like Ronaldo did or, yeah. or Elon Musk. That's one person doing you say, something. You say mini budget, maybe quasi kamikaze. Well, yeah. He I had mean, a bit of an influence on things, but I, that's but a very you, rarity. Yeah, it's yeah. very rarity. But for something like stocks and shares, it takes one person like that mm-hmm. to do something within 30 seconds yeah. for you to lose a shed load of money if you've got and, shares in those businesses. And I think let's talk about that because you've got that mini budget, which caused yeah. absolute turmoil. You've got at the same time, we've just come off the back of COVID. We've got huge inflation because of furlough. So two different scenarios. On top of that, you've got the Ukrainian war. You've got three like absolute grenades on the property market. Mm. 12 months rolling, average house prices across the whole of UK are reported to have dropped less than 3% in the last 12 months. Mm. Off the back of those three grenades. Yeah. People are like, it's going to fall 25, 30, 40%. 2.6% is dropped. Yeah. That was the grenade, like three grenades got thrown at us. <laughs> and that's what it did. You know, war, quasi kamikaze, furlough, inflation levels, you know, as high as we'd seen for a while. And, and that's that was the result of it. So do you think a lot of people don't get into property because that negative meat? I mean, I, you know, we saw those headlines, didn't we? They're going to drop by 30%. Yeah. We're at the end of the year. You're talking 2.6%. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous what they what they say. But it's just the media side of things. And, you know, do you think a lot of people look at that negative media without even talking to anyone and just go, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not investing the money, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, I'm selling up, I'm selling up. Yeah. You know, do you have conversations with people like that that's, that We're, say, I've seen this. Yeah. I agree with it. I'm gone. Absolutely. I mean, we are. We're a nation of homeowners. We're property proud. You know, our, our home is our castle. We're not a nation typically of, of renters like, you know, sort of middle Europe mm. or um, some of the other countries that are out there where people just hop around. You know, we are, this is, we put our spade in the ground and this is ours. This is where we are. And people typically upsize and downsize in the town they live in. Yeah. You know, I know people that get a nosebleed if they go five mile out yeah. of their town. <laughs> Um, that is the nation that we are in. So we want to know what's going on mm. and we want to know what's going on with the market and the property market and, and we're influenced by it as well. And as a result, the media play on that narrative because in this day and age, everything is clickbait, negative headlines yeah, yeah. and it's topical. People want mm. to know about that. If they did a, um, a crypto market review or if they did a review on whiskey bottle investing, you know, whiskey barrel investing, mm. which is a thing, or watch investing, it would not get the mass engagement no. and watch rate as talking about property because not 
a lot of people invest in watches yeah. or whiskey barrels, but a lot of people in the UK own a property. So I think they use the narrative and unfortunately then the whole country kind of is influenced by that and they look at it sometimes in the wrong way because it's snapshot data that doesn't necessarily apply to themselves. Mm. And I just want to talk about some area hotspots as well for people. If, if you know, if people are watching and listening and thinking, actually, these guys are is logical what they're saying. It's right what they're saying. And actually, you could be in a position at the moment of timing. You know, there will be a steep curve in property mm. prices climbing again within the next three years. It just will happen. That's how the cycle of events happen. I don't know what the trigger point will be. Maybe it's an election with a stamp duty holiday or something like that that just goes bang and everything yeah. rockets again. It just will. So timing-wise, maybe are we at the bottom? Are we going to see another 3% market drop next year? If we do, does that matter? I don't know. Are mm. we going to see interest rates go up or go down? I don't know. At the moment, they're going down. So you could be in a in a unique position at the moment to kind of take advantage of some timing. And with that in mind, I think there's three places that I've just pulled out not at random for this podcast, but with a little bit of micro research, just three places that have been thrown on my radar by investors I talk to, uh, people in investment markets, and and just from general kind of information that's kind of falling our way from a, from a select amount of conversations I've had. So I've got Preston, Peterborough, and Swindon as three areas for people to think about. They're not markets me and you work in. Nope. We haven't worked in them previously. We don't own property in those markets, no, yeah. so there's no like. So good, good ones no, to talk about then. Yeah? There's no media narrative here to try and shift people in a certain direction. It's just three places that I think are of interest. So if you look at Preston, the average house price is around 170 grand. So if someone's got uh, lower levels of in, lower levels of deposit and they're thinking, right, I want an area sort of more northern yeah. than the home counties where prices are lower and, and it, I can buy a whole property to myself. Maybe Preston's an area to think about. Why Preston? There's been about a decade's worth of investment in Manchester. Uh, there's been a lot of investment in Liverpool. They're two massive cities with massive universities. It's nearly impossible to find a rental property in Manchester, especially from student accommodation. A lot of people are almost flooded, and, and Preston sits in the middle of the two. Mm. So a lot of people are kind of flooding into Preston as a middle ground to the two. And if you think, right, I, you know, I, I'm going to buy a, an investment. Should I buy it in Liverpool? Or should I buy it in Manchester? Well, quite a, a secure way of looking at that is maybe I'll buy it in the middle. Preston's in the middle. And for average house price of 170, you know, if you were looking at putting 25% deposit down, you could throw 50 grand up yeah. there effectively, couldn't you? And yeah. say, right, that's not too bad. Whereas 50 grand uh, in this area, not really getting much. You're not getting a buy to let, yeah. let's be fair. So, you know, you could almost get yourself a three bed family home that we talk about up there with a secure tenant in there thinking that we hope equity growth will take mm. place because of the location that it sits in. So something to think about. Second one is um, Peterborough. Peterborough's got the uh, funding grant of four billion pounds worth of investment for what's called the level up funding. And we always talk about council investments and yeah. following that, don't we, as well? Yeah, we do. We've seen it in a number of towns, you know, where we are. Um, as soon as investment goes in there yeah. and they start, um, you know, investing that, that money that they've got, house prices go up, big players come in company-wise. Yeah. Um, and it just shoots everything up in the in the right direction. So as soon as that happens, as soon as you see that, 
you need to take an interest in it. Yeah, and this four billion pounds is for train station investment, town centre investment, um, travel and infrastructure investment, mm. and it will only flow into other things as well. But four billion pounds is an investment in an area where, if I said to you, go buy a property in Peterborough, it's not a conversation that a lot of people would have had. Yeah. So maybe there's an opportunity there. Average house price two fifty, so it's not sub two hundred. It's not the three fifty four hundred that's around mm. here feels like a nice middle ground like if we were looking at this from a um a low medium and high risk investment sort of strategy that would be the medium yeah. one for me you know you, yeah i think you struggle to lose on that four billion pound investment on the level up fund 250 average house price boom let's look at that yeah. as, a, as an opportunity and the next one we spoke about this before actually on the podcast and we had the two guys come on that are kind of property experts in the area but it's swindon and I, I just thought I'd throw one in that's closer to us because Swindon's an hour away from us, effectively. Mm. It's, you know, you can get on the train 20, 25 minutes to Reading. Um, it's the end of the Elizabeth line now as well, since that's popped out. So although it's a slow train into London, it's a nice train into London. It's an easy route. It's easy accessible. Average house price in Swindon is about 300k at the moment. There is uh, two splits of Swindon. The new build stuff which has been built within the last two or three, four years. Yeah. And then you've got all the older style stuff as well in the, in the town center. And the new build stuff on the outskirts has got a lot of new superstores. It's got new schools. So it's almost like Swindon is like two halves of the town, mm. very similar to Bracknell around here that we see. And that normally means that you pull in a lot of people like newer family, newer welfare is into the new build stuff yeah. that take advantage. And then as a result, that just improves the economy in the central area which is maybe a bit older and a bit tired mm. and 300 grand for 30 minutes outside of reading typically uh hour and a half easy into london you could go quicker if you went straight to reading got the paddington line you can yeah. be there within an hour within 55 minutes that seems like a sensible area that's now becoming a very family-centric location as yeah well. i think people forget how close other areas can be yeah so like, you know, where we are, just outside of, of London, you know, could probably get into Twickenham, Richmond, you know, all of those places within half an hour down the M3. But if I, if I look up there, yeah. I'm paying double, triple yeah. what I pay here for the property that I've currently, currently got. Yeah. And we're talking half an hour away. Yeah. So it's I think crazy, people forget just that, you know, these, these locations like this, where there's investment still going into it, you know, you've got house builders in in swindon you've got some big companies in swindon you've got big build to rent people going in swindon as as well i remember dealing with you know a 400 unit site a 70 unit site a 60 unit site all build to rent stuff so they wouldn't be doing that they know something for no reason. they they know something they're yeah. looking at stats they're analyzing mm. and they wouldn't do that unless it was an area where you're going to get a lot of demand a lot of demand for it yeah. or an area that Really, there's, they, they wouldn't go into that area if there's not a lot going on. Yeah. We said the same thing with things like, you know, Waitrose and yeah. Tesco superstores, you know. They're not go stupid, are they? They're, they're going in there for a reason. They're doing their They're research. not going there to make a loss. They're yeah. going in there to make some serious money because yeah. they can. Because I think you've said it before. They look at the average salaries in that area. They look at the, you know, type of families that are in that area or professionals that are in that area. They look at the surroundings. They the, wouldn't go in there. The data area. that is available for these people is unbelievable. I mean, we can get, if we can get an area, we could go right to Swindon. What 
what does Experian data show us in it? And actually get the 10% most likely people that are going to move because they've got big gaps in their bills versus their salary. We can get that information yeah. as kind of standard letting and sales estate agents. So if we can get that at yeah. the click of a button and say they're the 10% most likely people to move based on our narrative, then obviously they're doing their relevant yeah. research. And these are the people that have got excess cash to spend in a Waitrose yeah. rather than in a little, for yeah. example. So they know what they're doing. And I think it's, um, it's a podcast today to really get people thinking about the slow pound investing, the double returns that come from property, why one of those is liquid, one of those is equity. Whereas if you compare it to a stock market investment, it's tied up. It's click to go in, it's quick to go out. Whereas mm. with property, it's slower to go in and it's slower to go out, making it more secure if there is some more grenades thrown on the yeah. uh, thrown on the investment fire. And then there are three spotlight areas that we'd be really interested to hear from the listeners and the watchers. What do you think of those areas? Are they something that you're going to go and fact find on, do some research on? Do you want us to do some specific area spotlights on those? We've done Swindon. You can find that podcast if you go back God knows how many it is. Now. Yeah. Probably 25, 30 podcasts, but you'll see Swindon investing as an area. But, you know, Preston and Peterborough, if you want us to go and do some fact finding, get some local experts in for those, then we can obviously set that up. We can make anything happen. We can. Anything we can. happen. And I think it's just an interesting podcast as we now get towards the end of the year. We're going to have uh, mortgage reviews, HMO reviews, uh, buy to let reviews, stock market reviews. We've got experts coming on the podcast now for all of the kind of 2023 wrap ups and the 2024 predictions yeah. will be the next set of weeks worth of podcasts. So if you haven't subscribed and you want the notifications to those, hit that button, make it happen, and we will bring those all to you. And thank you to our community for listening and watching as always.